Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Recorded live. Hey, Vince. Hey, how you doing? Good. It looks like it's just uh, two of us on the call right now. Okay. So we we might as well dive right into things. Um, I have been noticing some pretty interesting things happening in our industry. I'm going to be... Uh, putting together some more materials in the, in the coming weeks. But uh, it's pretty fascinating what's happening with apps and things like Uber and um, all the different Uber clones and what they're doing. It is definitely going to have an impact on real estate. And um, I really think that um, people like you and I are in a much better position to deal with this world than the folks that are all just kind of taking what comes because I think they're going to be in deep trouble. Why do you why do you say that? Or this is because I'm not real familiar with Uber. So are they? Well, basically, Uber is an app that has completely transformed the taxi industry in just a couple years. So it basically allows any person with a car to essentially become their own taxi when they want to. And so you have all kinds of people that have a little extra time on their hands or whatever, and they do these rides um, to make money. And from a consumer standpoint, it's so much better than a taxi because you're getting in a real car. The person who's driving it is probably somebody who actually lives in your area, is a native speaker of English. I mean, just like it's a much more pleasant experience. You just hit a button and somebody's there. And, And on top of the fact that it's a better experience, it also is cheaper than taxis. So from from the consumer standpoint, it's like win, win, win. Airbnb is an app that's kind of done the same thing to the hotel industry where anybody can rent out their home for a night. And so now you, it's kind of like if somebody's like, hey, if I'm going to be on vacation away from town for a couple weeks, might as well make a little money on my place and they make it super easy to do it. And there's all different kinds of apps that are making it really easy for people to just hit a button and get what they want. And it's going into all other kinds of services. They've got one now, hit a button, a massage comes to your, or a masseuse comes to your house. You know, hit a button, a doctor will come to your place to do a house call. I mean, everything now is getting to this point where people are just used to hit a button and get what I want. Right. And... I think, you know, the real estate industry's kind of got their head buried in the sand if they don't think it's going to happen to them. Because if it can happen to hotels, taxis, masseuses, and even doctors, you can damn well bet it's going to happen to real estate agents. And so, you know, it's really just going to further that sense of real estate agents are just a commodity. And, you know, they already are, frankly, if they're not doing something to differentiate themselves. But the way I see it is I talk to agents every single day and a lot of them are really, you know, kind of whining about how competitive it is. And I'm looking at what's coming, and I'm thinking, man, if you think it's competitive now, 
you're nuts because you're going to be longing for these days in a few years if you're not actually positioning yourself to be something that's not just a commodity, you know, provider. Right. Well, I I would tend to agree. Yeah. So, no, anyway, so I'm going to, you know, put together some more thoughts on it, but it's, just kind of hit me hard the other day that this is really where the whole world's going and real estate with it. Um, so I have uh, some uh, drafts of your introduction and your covers. So I will be sending those along after we get off the phone. You can take a look and we'll, you know, get any revisions done that you'd like. Okay. I think from the standpoint of the intro, it's a little bit hard for the writer to totally get in your head from the conversation we had. I think she hit some of the salient points of what makes you different, but the way to position it and probably filling in some of the details is something that, you know, you can do, but at least you'll have a huge head start here. And so, okay. you can take, you can, yeah, just take a look at it and you can kind of say like, yeah, this is, this is good with a few tweaks or no, you know, I really want to change a lot of it, whatever. So we'll just take your comments and go from there, but she's ready for that. And um, I haven't even seen the covers, but I just uh, saw that they were sent. So I'll send them along, and same thing there. We can get those revisions done. So you should be good to go to send out your cover survey, um, you know, on Monday. Okay. I'll work on getting that stuff done because I think once I get the covers, I can go and set up those accounts and, and start well, actually, that. Actually, I'm going to set up the accounts for you, so I'll make it real easy. <laughs> Um, oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> so, so, yeah, no, this is going to be really easy for you. Um, what I want you to really focus on is, is how you're actually planning to, you know, start getting the word out. And what I recommend is just to dip your toe in the water. Don't use every potential resource. And, and you know, don't send, like, an email blast to every single person or Jim's going to send it out for you or whatever. Don't go whole hog right out of the gate because you want to see how – you know, how people are responding and how much, you know, ability and time you have to actually follow up with those. So, okay. So I would say just start kind of gathering a list, you know, for yourself of, okay, this is the different resources that I have. These are different people I can reach out to and, and just plan to kind of go down that list gently in the first week. And then once we see what the responses are like, we can then make some judgments about how to, you know, push through the rest of them. Okay. Okay. I will work on that as well. Great. Now, yeah. I, so, I am, I am, uh, I'm going to have a headshot done next week and I'll get that out to you as soon as uh, I get that back from the photographer. Uh, so that will be done. I do have, um, uh, I did mail that checkout Saturday. So you, if you don't have, you should be getting it any day now. Uh, yes, I did get it. Thank you very much. Okay. Okay. Um, and then um, I, I did want to ask you about my newsletter. I did, re- I did uh, listen to that uh, iP- uh, podcast, yeah. and I, I get what they're saying. You know, you want to present the cheese and not the whiskers. And that's kind of what I do. Just I kind of do it part way. You know, I don't promote myself as, hey, this is why you should deal with me, blah, 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 blah. You know, I provide them with some quality information. But I don't really um, give them, a, you know, a, a chunk of cheese, so to speak, 
a reason to give me a call. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like my newsletter, one of them just talks about, um, you know, how how do you find a good home inspector and what should their qualifications be, what are their fees that they should charge, what's reasonable. So there's a lot of good quality information in that newsletter about how to find a home inspector and what their qualifications and their training requirements are and, and what you should expect. But, you know, on, you know, I don't say, you know, hey, give me a call, um, you know, because I have, you know, X amount of years experience, not only as an investor, but as a licensed agent. I don't say that. You know, I, I do put a one-liner in there, say, look, if you're considering a move or know someone, you know, have them give me a call or give me a call. But I don't put anything about a free home evaluation or anything along those lines in the newsletters. And I guess that's what I want to, wanted to find out, you know, when they reference cheese for real estate, you know, what what are some of the things that I could entice someone that uh, other than like a free home evaluation, what what would be some of the other things that I could put in there that would help me get people to come to me? Yeah. Uh, let me try to find this here. So you sent that to me via email copy of your newsletter, right? Yeah. Uh, and what there's usually what I do is I put one or two discussion topics. Like one of them was just you know things you should do to make your home more presentable when you're when you have it on the market or for showings and so forth. You know, about some flowers in the garden, clean up the clutter, that kind of stupid crap, which it's mm-hmm. all valid information. And then I also provide like a detailed list of every home that sold within the last six months that went contingent under contract and so forth in a, an Excel spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. Um. I think, um, you know, when it comes to buyers and sellers, you got different mentalities, right? So buyers want to know the latest listings, and they want to know that they're going to be, um, you know, not overpaying or not missing an opportunity, right? So, like, for buyers, it's a lot of, you know, what they call like FOMO, fear of missing out, or, um, you know, they're just kind of tuned like like any other shopper of something big. Like if you're thinking about buying a car, it's kind of like your radar is up. And when you, you know, are reading a newspaper or doing anything, your sensitivity to stories about cars is now heightened because, you, you know, your brain is just already kind of seeking that out. So I think in the case of a buyer – what they want is they really want information that's relevant to their search, but they don't necessarily want to feel like they're going to get harassed. And the other problem that we have now is that the information that they're looking for is super abundant. You know, it's really a lot easier for people to get that kind of information on home listings than they were able to get, um, you know, say five, six years ago. So it's more of a commodity to give them that information. So at the end of the day, though, you still want to give them that information, but then you also want to give them an opportunity to kind of take another step to get something more. So, you know, with the cheese and whiskers approach, it's kind of like, hey, the cheese are the listings. That's what people want. 
And so if we're able to give them access to that in a really great way, then that at least, you know, kind of gets them interacting. Then we can make another offer to them where we can say, hey, would you like a buyer's guide? Would you like um, to meet for coffee and just talk about your needs? You know, there's different ways that you can approach it from there, but it's always just one step that you want people to take. So whatever you're putting out there, you just want it to be one step that they have to take and not something that's going to be, you know, like complicated for them to think about. Does that make okay. sense? Yeah. So, and in terms of, uh, you know, getting listings, I think people ultimately, if you're living in your house, you're not necessarily planning on selling any time in the near future. But it's always nice to know what your home is worth. So if you get a sense of, hey, you know, the home next door just sold for this much money, kind of gives people a sense of what's going on. And so with sellers, a lot of it is a matter of persistence because somebody may not be planning to sell now, um, but when they are, if they have had some sort of a relationship with you and some knowledge of you, it allows you to get that first call, which for the most part is the only call that people are going to make. So I think, you know, with this stuff, you just want to know that people are actually really opening it. And um, when I look at the newsletter, like, it seems to me, like, so for instance, I'm looking at the one that's the April newsletter, and it says real estate newsletter for Treesdale. So you're sending that to basically everybody in Treesdale, right? Yeah, it's about 1,200 homes. Yeah. Like, so this is all about, you know, buying a home. And, and so that's cool if they're looking to buy a home, but if they're not, they're probably just going to, you know, toss it in the trash. So I would, I would say that for the most part, if somebody in Treesdale is going to get your newsletter and they're in your, your little, you know, your farming area there, they're most likely to think about selling before they think about buying, right? Uh, yeah. So, so I would probably focus on that as your target and try to just focus on listing because if you get their listing and you sell their house, you know, then they're going to want to buy with you. And you can always start presenting them with that information once you have the relationship and say, hey, you know, and I want to let you know that not only would I represent you extremely well as a seller, but here's what, you know, I can do for you on the buy side as well. And I'll be a really aggressive negotiator and I've been buying properties for years and, you know, all that sort of stuff. But I think that if you are consistently hitting people with information designed to make you the first call for a listing, it's probably going to be more effective than trying to do half buyer stuff and half seller stuff. Okay. All right. Let me ask you this too, because one of the things I thought about doing, and I wasn't sure if I would be creating a problem, but there, you know, there, you know, you know, basically one of the things that I wanted to do is um, something about the consumer, how you know how to not you know like how not to overpay for your services. So in other words, like if someone has an eight hundred thousand dollar house. Typically, the commission is going to be five or six percent. It's not going to be seven percent. You know, um, agents would love to get it, 
but um, you know, it's just it's kind of pricey for seven hundred thousand dollar house. So I guess one of the things that you know, if I put some numbers out there, what's reasonable to compensate a real estate agent? Do you is do you think that's creating a problem in any sense? So you're you're talking about basically putting out materials about agent compensation in your newsletter? Yeah. For listings, for someone listing a home. You know, I don't think so because I mean I think that what you're doing is you're you're driving their decision making process to be based on price, which is really what you don't want. Um you know, at the end of the day, you, you know, the way I see it, how we're trying to position you, so we're trying to position you as the best guy. And, you know, when I had somebody call me off of one of my books early on, this guy was, you know, like a total haggler type of a guy. He just wanted to go uh, on everything, you know. And, he, but he, you know, but he, we're talking about a pretty substantial deal. And uh, so he calls me and he's like, you know, he's like, we um, we really want to work with you. You know, they're, they're, I'm on the phone with, you know, both the husband and wife, and we had been looking at properties. And long story short, it was a doctor who made a great income but had wrecked his credit, you know, by getting upside down and bad investments on the, the downside. So he needed to do uh, creative financing. And very few agents really understand it, particularly, you know, implemented at the luxury level. So he found me through, you know, one of my books and we were talking it through. And so everything's going great. I was like, hey, no problem. I'm like, based on your income, I'm confident I'll be able to convince the seller to work with us um, and get you, you know, terms that you like. And they said, well, you know, we really like you. We really want to go with you. He said, but he's like, I got to tell you, you know, we have talked to some other agents. And, you know, we talked to another agent and he said that he would, you know, discount his fee by 1%. And so all you got to do is match that and then you're our guy. And I said, I said, no, I said, you know, I I really think that the most important decision you're going to make for your financial future and for your family is this next decision about your home. We're talking millions of dollars in commitment here. And a lot of money you're going to be paying every month on this. I said, it's a very important decision. And so what I would counsel to you is that if you are making a choice on how to move forward on this critically important decision on the basis of just a 1% difference in fee, then I said, I haven't done my job. I haven't convinced you that I can add value to this transaction. And I said, and also anybody who's going to discount their fee like that right up off the gate doesn't really know what they're doing. So I said, my advice to you is that if I haven't convinced you that I am the person that can do the best job and deliver the most value, then don't work with me. But I said, but please also don't, don't work with this discounter either because he's just going to promise you the sun, the moon, and the stars, and you're going to wind up in an unhappy position tripping over pennies to get the dollars. So I said, you know, so that's, that's really the position that, that I would take as you is, hey, treat this like the most important decision that it is and go find the right person. And I said, and I'm sorry if that's not me. Okay. And, oh, I, just I, left it, and, I, and I left it hanging there. And there was this awkward pause. And then they go, no, 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 it's not like that, it's not like that. Like, you're our guy, you're our guy, right? Boom, done. So 
and I, and I talk a little bit about that in my book too. I have, you know, kind of, I wrote out that conversation, but that's really the dynamic that evolves. And so if you look at it, like, like I am the person that's there to add value and protect them, then that's really what you should be doing regardless of whether or not they're selecting you. And so it kind of gives you this high road out of that debate. And okay. so I would have a similar discussion where you say, hey, look, you know, like, let, if, the, if price is going to come up, let them bring it up. But don't you be the one to start with that. Because if you start with that too, that also means that you're going to be attracting the people who that's their first thought. And they're always a pain in the ass to deal with. Because not only are they going to get paid less, they're going to make stupid decisions along the way. You're going to bring them a great offer and they're going to second guess it. And you know how that goes. So, no. Okay. Well, I got it. I got it. Okay. Um, I think that's all the questions I had. I'll work on putting a list together of different uh, avenues to start uh, getting feedback on a book cover. Um, and there's a couple like LinkedIn and, and Facebook and uh, the few emails. I, I don't have any one area that has hundreds and hundreds of contacts, but I have like 20 here, 30 here, you know, little groupings. Uh, and that's actually, that's great because you don't need hundreds. And, and, and those little pockets are awesome because they give you a place to, to test it before you get to the bigger ones. So, you know, if you've got like some group of 30 that you can send this out to, you're like, okay, great. Now I kind of get a sense. You can get your toes wet, have those conversations, and really, you know, have yourself prepared for what happens when you start sending it to bigger groups. Okay. So, so all right, well, I will get those covers and um, the drafts of the uh, um, the uh, introductions to you, and you can okay. take a look at them. And then just let me know, you know, how you'd like them modified. If the covers are good as they are, then we'll set up the survey immediately. And they'll probably need another round because they usually need at least one round. Um, okay. And you just, just tell me what you want. She should be able to turn those around in a day. And then we can, uh, you know, get it all set up so that you can start talking to people on Monday. Also, too, Alex, if you had an idea for a book cover or had a book cover that you liked or that you saw, I'm open. Because I, I do lack creativity in that respect I thought that the second one that you did was great and so basically I had her work up three different color schemes because I, I remember you said hey I like the first one but I don't really know if I like those colors so yeah. what I thought was to me it's a very uh, it's it's a simple cover but it looks professional it looks clear um, so I like it a lot because it's not trying to make things overcomplicated or too busy and right. that's, the, that's the only time you wind up with a cover that doesn't look good. Because it? it's like if it's too busy, it just sort of screams that it's not professional. Because if you look at like all the New York Times bestsellers, they're never complicated covers. They're always simple. Like and even if they have an image, it's usually typically one image. It's like here's a person or here's a thing. But it's very rare that you see like a really – you know, bestseller type book on the list that has lots of stuff going on. And the only time you see it is when it's somebody who's doing it who, who doesn't have access to a professional and who doesn't really know what the hell they're doing. And so that even though people can't articulate it in their mind, like they don't know why it doesn't look right, they just know it doesn't look right. And that then diminishes 
from what we're trying to accomplish here of establishing your, you know, authority and credibility. Okay. Okay. So I, I think it's a good cover, and, um, you know, you can take a look at them, and if you want to run with those three, we can, and if not, we can, you know, talk about an alternative. But, again, you know, once you get into this, it's not like this is the final final. If, you know, if you start sending it out to people and by some stretch of the imagination, everybody you talk to says it's the worst covers ever, you know, then, of course, we can go back to the drawing board. But I don't think it's going to be like that. I think people will like it. I just think different people will have different preferences for color. Okay. All right, no problem. Sounds like a plan. All right, awesome. I will get uh, cracking and get those emails over to you. All right, thanks a lot, Alex. Have a good weekend. All right, All right you too, Vince. Take care.